Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In a galaxy far, far away, prepare for a reboot like never before. The Galactic Menagerie. Our mission is simple. We steal the Emperor's artifact, save the galaxy, and maybe find ourselves along the way. For this mission, we'll need lightsaber, blaster, thermal detonator, paper airplanes, spare parts, and R2-D2. With a star-studded ensemble featuring the galaxy's most eccentric cast, the Galactic Menagerie is the most delightfully offbeat Star Wars adventure yet. Starring Timothy Chalamet, Scarlett Johansson, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, William Defoe, Adrian Brody, and Owen Wilson. Wow. Show's on! Welcome to No Ducks. Or is it No Droids? May the 4th be with you, everybody. That's what you were working on yesterday, JD, that whole time. That's why I, I kept hearing, wow. Wow. Uh, I'm Taz Mellis. With me in the Classic Factory, a man who invented a new term for good hockey players. That guy is a net. That guy's a bucket. That guy's a net. That's pretty good. Trey Kirby. Hey. <gasps> <laughs> wow. that, was, that was my Darth Vader AO. That was damn good. I'm not even going to try and replicate that. That hurt my throat. <laughs> that was great. Uh, and of course, making the magic happen, it's Eshua Kid today. What's up, Esh? May the Force be with you guys. Yeah, may the Force be with you. And also with you. Yeah, you had to take over the controls today. You're a Star Wars guy. Of course, man. Like, this this is one of my nerd days. I get to nerd out a little bit, so let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll go back to the first time we interviewed you. You had just got married. Yeah. Star Wars-themed wedding. Yeah, Star Wars-themed wedding. Yeah. <sighs> Sounds like you regret it. No. no. Not, not the wedding. Not the wedding. Uh, no, a great wedding, great <laughs> podcast, and it all leads to today. <laughs> Me were, being here with you guys. Were these lightsabers uh, part of the wedding? Uh, not these particular ones, but a couple mm. of them. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, we've got a... not these ones. My other sabers. Here's a thing. bringing those ones in to let you fools touch. <laughs> yeah. Don't blame me. No, these are actually uh, probably more expensive than those. Oh! I trust you guys. Thank you. I trust you guys. <laughs> they do light up. Uh, if you're watching with us on YouTube. Yeah, we've got a couple lightsabers that I'm sure we're going to be using throughout the show. They're good. These are really nice, Ash. These are, this is legitimately a nice lightsaber. <laughs> I'm talking about like you can go and just like casually get them at any store. But uh, you should have seen JD and Eshua like comparing notes between these ones before JD picked one up and he goes, ooh, this one's Sithy. Sithy, <laughs> It was huh? very Sithy. <laughs> All right. We'll uh, check out those Sithies uh, a little <laughs> a little bit later on. Uh, lots to get to today. No skeets today or tomorrow. He is up in Canada at a family wedding, so congrats to the fam. I'll be filling him in for him today on No Buffs, our Survivor show in mere hours. Mm -hmm. 12.30 Eastern, 9.30 Pacific on YouTube. Uh, it has its own channel, its own 
podcast feed. So join us then. We'll be recapping episode 10. Or uh, maybe he'll jump on tonight because we'll be doing a playback Ooh. tonight. We'll be watching <laughs> we'll, we'll be watching Lakers-Warriors determining whether or not the Warriors can even the series or the Lakers can take a stranglehold. Playback.tv slash no dunks. The link is in the description if you're on YouTube. Just go over there. I might go over there now to see who's hanging out. <laughs> it's free. You just log in with your uh, TV provider or your, your cable provider, your League Pass provider, and boom, you're watching the game with us. No lags. We're just watching a game. You can see our, our little bubble faces. It's a good time. A little later than we usually go. What, a 9 p.m. start? 9 Eastern. I think, tonight. So you you going to be a little loopy tonight? Yes. You're going to be a little punchy? Absolutely. On the playback? Yeah, me too. Can't wait. Maybe a little bit yawnies at that Kumpo. <laughs> Might be some yawns. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see I'm playing, uh, playing pickup tonight. I'll be done at about 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Hurry home, so I'm going to be scumbag mode. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's when the best takes come. Should be For good. Sure. That's my favorite trait. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, more on that game actually a little later. We'll, we'll preview that along with your questions where we'll discuss LeBron's biggest rivals throughout his career. Plus count down the top nut shots from the postseason. <laughs> There's been five of them. There's been five of them? So we're going top five on these nut shots. I, I can't wait to hear. And if you needed an honorable mention, I'm willing to take a shot. Yes. I'll do it. Uh, Just a, for the show. A Sithy shot? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can uh, Luke Skywalker, my Skywalker, with one of these for May 4th. What am I even saying right I don't now? Know. Basketball happened last night. We'll I do guess, it. So. Oh, yeah. I guess we'll talk about that. But we can do a simultaneous nut shot. Yeah, we do, we it. do have two lightsabers. Yeah, so. Well, the top seven, mm-hmm. I guess. All right. Uh, first, let's talk about game two. Sixers, Celtics. That was the Celtics we wanted. We were expecting coming into this series. They took care of business. Joel Embiid returned, but it didn't matter. Celtics played more physical defensively. Embiid had a quiet night. Didn't look like himself. We'll get to that. Harden also had a quiet night. Celtics blew it open in the third. It was raining threes in Boston. Ah, we don't need umbrellas in Boston. We're too tough for that. We're too tough for that. 34-point victory for the Seas. We're tied at one. Thoughts on game two, Trey? Well, I hate it when there's one game on the NBA schedule and it ends up being a blowout. That's always a bummer. And this was a weird one because it was close through the first half. Uh, but then the Celtics caught fire in the third quarter, ended up hitting 23s, as you're saying, and turned into a blowout. But also just I thought the game itself felt a little bit like an experiment. You got the Celtics up – or the, the the Sixers are up 1-0. Embiid kind of a quicker-than-anticipated return. You know, uh, I was listening to podcasts that were recorded before Game 2 went live. And everybody's saying, Embiid's probably not playing in Game 2. He'll come back for Game 3, things along those lines. So a little bit of a surprise, I thought, that Embiid was back, coming mm-hmm. back pretty quickly, all things considered, from a knee sprain injury. Ended up being about two weeks. And it just kind of felt like this was a get-the-rust-off game for the Sixers. We're going to try and see what Joel Embiid can give us. We're going to see how he's moving on the court. We're going to see how he and Harden fit together as a playoff offense. We're going to see how the Celtics decide to defend against us. It took Harden completely out of his rhythm the way they were attacking. Embiid looked good. I mean, okay. There were parts where he looked really explosive. There were parts where he looked rusty. Um... But yeah, it kind of just felt like the Sixers were okay losing this game as long as they got Joel Embiid on the court to get a taste of a more competitive series than they had against Brooklyn. And with that being the case, they didn't play well. They played really, really poorly. Meanwhile, the Celtics upped their physicality, their effort level, 
everybody was a lot better for Boston last night. And it seemed like Philadelphia was okay with that. We'll take 1-1. We're happy with the split. We got Embiid back, and now he's had the bad first game. Let's see what he can do in game three. He definitely showed amazing flashes. That first half, blocking shot after shot after shot, all of his five blocks in the first half. Nobody wanted to go near the rim. Totally true. 12 days off, as you said, reports. And I think I think he mentioned that his the, the strain in his lead, lead ligament, I was going to say, knee <laughs> ligament uh, was a, a, an injury that he should be out about four to six weeks for. Yep. As He comes back after two weeks, as you mentioned. Knowing what we know now, that they were, you know, had a dud of a game, do you think it would have been better off for them to say, come back in game three when we're split, or is it the rust factor, you shake it off a little bit, the way to go? Well, congratulations to Maddie Healy of the 1975 and Taylor Swift, who are now apparently dating each other. you got to shake off the rust. I think this was the right move for the Sixers. It didn't pay off very well. I mean, they got beat by almost 40 points. But I think Embiid was going to be rusty his first game back, Mm -hmm. no matter what. Also, I felt the Celtics were going to respond to the Game 1 loss, just like they did 15 straight times now. We've seen the team that lost Game 1 at home come back and win Game 2 at home. So I think you were getting this performance from Embiid and from the Sixers anytime he returned. So whichever game he comes back for, it's going to be weird because you're working in a huge part of your offense, a huge part of your defense, and you're playing against a better opponent than you faced in the first round. So I thought that game would play out similar to how it did last night, in which case I think smart of the Sixers to do it in game two when you still have momentum. It's better to go back to Philadelphia tied up 1-1, having had the bad Embiid game, because game three is a huge one. You need Embiid to be better than he was last night. You would not want to see him having a three-rebound, 15-point game in a must-win Game 3. It's still a huge game, but at least he's been out there now. I don't know how much better he's going to be in Game 3. That is the huge question to me. Like, If this is the Embiid that the Celtics are going to be facing for the rest of this series, I think it's going to be a short one because this Embiid is not the MVP Embiid that we saw during the regular season. He was about 80% as good. Hopefully playing one game allows him to get a little bit of a rhythm, but things did not go well for Philadelphia last night. They need Embiid to be able to play like 30 to 35 minutes for them to have an advantage in this series because he is their biggest advantage. So getting Embiid back, huge, but the way he came back and how bad the Sixers looked, kind of discouraging, I thought. Yeah, I agree. They're still happy after the split. In general, zooming out, they're, they're fine. Maybe shaking off the rust was a good idea, but I do think... If you're getting this Embiid for Game 3 and the rest of the series, I think I'd rather, even though it sounds stupid, I think I'd rather go with my Harden-led team that is a little bit more unpredictable than this predictable Embiid-Harden-Doc Rivers-led team where they just rely on those two guys, and and the Celtics can, they can sort of gang up on those two at the top of the key and bring a lot of pressure like they did here in Game 2, and the Sixers just aren't, as dynamic. I, I know it does sound a little bit dumb, but when you're going five out uh, with Harden at the point, they are a little bit more unpredictable. Harden just seems to play better in a number one role. That just seems to be the way he's, I mean, he's been his entire career, really. You get more out of Maxi that way. If MB doesn't look like he did. <laughs> I mean, it looked like his MVP self is what I mean. So that's that's the worrisome, huge worrisome part I hear. Sure, uh, things look you know, somewhat fine if you zoom out, but the Celtics just 
look a lot more like themselves. And and if Embiid's not going to be able to just take over possessions like he did during the regular season, they kept filming the knee brace. Uh, I, do, I do think it's a bad sign that from half one to half two, he looked worse as Absolutely well. Absolutely, he did. Yeah, he just he wasn't as dynamic. He was on the floor when the Celtics blew this game open. It did feel like they were in control the whole, thing, the whole way, but in the third quarter is when they decided, all right, um, we're going to get uh, a little bit more random on offense. We're going to hit more threes, and the Sixers hit the entire game. Uh, but they know how to guard Embiid. Um, Horford was great. They just decided to guard Harden a lot better, a lot more aggressively. Yeah, they guarded him. Yeah, that yeah. was the key. That was the key. Jalen Brown picked him up basically full court for the entire game. That got Jalen Brown involved in the game. He was probably the Celtics' best player last night, finished with 25, and it was just setting the tone from the jump, and it really took Harden out of rhythm. Embiid being on the court and clogging things up, certainly that's a factor as well. Uh, but it wasn't as easy for the Sixers to get into their offense. I thought that was largely the ball pressure that we were seeing, mostly uh, from Jalen Brown. He really stepped up in this game. Not a huge game uh, from Tatum. Very weird one in foul trouble for Seven most of the points? night. Seven points, three assists. He made one shot. It was a really nice move to score over Joel Embiid, but that was it. But Tatum or, uh, Brown was able to pick up the slack and then... 10 threes from the bench. Grant Williams getting dusted off. He's key in this series, just pushing and beat around. And then Brogdon, 6 for 10 from 3. They were just giving him shots. Pretty poor defense on Brogdon, I thought. Like, Jalen McDaniels, it's like he'd never seen Malcolm Brogdon play before. The guy shot 40% from 3, but he's stepping two steps off him just for easy jumpers for Brogdon. So I thought the Celtics, that was the best game they've played in a couple of weeks, all Mm -hmm. things considered, considering the way that the Hawks series went at the end, but I don't know. Harden wasn't going to do it last night. He didn't have it for game two. He had nine days off before game one. Looked super fresh, looked super active, but then Jalen Brown looked like he was the better athlete, as he is uh, in game two last night. That was a, that was a blow. It yeah. was exactly the, the Celtics that we thought we'd get coming into this series. Uh, Jalen Brown looking so much better, uh, leading the team in scoring, but the defense, as you said, first possession. All right. Uh, I'm on Harden. He buries a three. Then he comes up and guards Harden and basically picks him up midcourt. And him and Horford were were dynamic at guarding Embiid and Harden. Uh, They they just pushed up on both those guys. And they dared the other Sixers to beat them a little bit more, which they did in game one. Those Sixers were able to, to hit a lot of shots because the Celtics were just soft. Um, they, they, they just didn't play all that hard. Here's a here's a stat to indicate that defense was just being played. Yes. <laughs> the Celtics were just alive in this game. Two free throws in the first half of game one for both teams. Mm-hmm. Just just mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. 27 in this one in the first <laughs> half. Just guys playing hard. And, and the rim protection on, on both ends was great. Guys just flying around. It was a lot of fun. And Jason Tatum also, you know, picking up Harden when there were switches there, leaving Tucker, which was smarter in this one, just leaving him wide open. Uh, so Doc has some things to figure out. I imagine he's just going to go back to the same same deal, which is Harden and Embiid up top. <laughs> and and maybe a little bit more separation um, for, with those passes because when they're able to gang up and Embiid, Embiid has to – either decide to maybe try and slip a screen. He can't do that. He's not he's, he's not 100%. Uh, or, um, you know, try and take people off the dribble from the three-point line. That's hard. So maybe some separation there. Maybe the less pick and roll. Maybe just get him on the the old nail. Uh, what do you think? 
I do like that. Move. I thought they were specifically like posting up Embiid too much last night. That's something that the Sixers have been doing since they've been playing the Celtics, like all of Embiid's career. The Celtics just know how to handle that a little bit better than Embiid operating more from the nail, being able to see everybody. I also think P.J. Tucker not wanting to shoot is a little bit of a problem for the Sixers once Embiid is in. He took 1-3 last night, finished 2-3 for three from the field, didn't take a shot in game one. Like I said, at the end of that game, it would have been a smart play to double off of P.J. Tucker, make him beat you on that last shot that Harden hit. They didn't do that, but in game two, they were much more willing to force the other Sixers to take shots. So Embiid is going to be on the court. Harden's going to be on the court. We know that. They're going to be going pick and roll. It was a super effective play this year, but they might want to get somebody who wants to shoot the ball on the court. (laughs) So I could easily see it being Harden, Maxie, Tobias Harris, and then De'Anthony Melton being the other guy around Embiid and Harden just because he's a bit of an athlete. He's a willing shooter. He can handle the ball if things break down. And it just gives you a little bit more space for Embiid and Harden to be able to operate inside. Harden, a cold night, 2 of 14 from the floor. Uh, enough can't be said about their defense to, to start the game. They stripped them twice in the first seven minutes. It was Tatum when he was backpedaling once and, and Brogdon stripping him on the perimeter. But I think we can easily overlook Marcus Smart's game, who is their heartbeat, their lifeblood. And, and we we talk about him more, I think, when they lose and when Smart has a bad game than when he um, has uh, these good performances. And I thought... When it was a close game, late in the first quarter, uh, Marcus Smart was really big. You mentioned DeAnthony Melton. That's what made me think of it because we know game one didn't go his way. He had a chance to win this game at the end. If if you remember after the Harden three, the Sixers were up two points, but Marcus Smart came in and kind of handed the ball off to Jason Tatum underneath the rim and it went out of bounds. It, it reminded me of last year. He had some boneheaded plays during the playoff run, but he bounced back. And, and that's, that's what he does. I mean, last year, I, I went up and looked. Many, many of boneheaded plays against, uh, against the Bucks. <laughs> totally. Game five in round two, he had like a 60-second span at the end of the game. A couple turnovers, he was blocked. Why does Marcus Smart have the ball? We always ask. Um, <laughs> uh, but in this instance, in the end of the first quarter, he had the ball, and he called for a clear out on the side against DeAnthony Melton. He scored. That's when he gave the big... The big flex down. I'm stronger than you, DeAnthony Melton. I mean, he is their lifeblood, and and they do, they do sort of go as he goes. Uh, but everybody on that team, just in general, stepping up, and they probably would have won uh, even if he didn't have those couple big buckets towards the end of the first quarter. Uh, the raining of threes happened, as as we've talked about. Uh, even Malcolm Brogdon, as you said, some open ones, but he also hit a deep one with a guy in his face there early in the first quarter. I thought he never hits shots with guys in his face. That just doesn't happen for true, him. Maybe true. because he has yeah. a low release point or whatever. Uh, but what's uh, what's your feeling here just, just going forward in general? Just, uh, just as a generic ones on the board. I mean, the Celtics have to be the favorite now, right? I think the Celtics are definitely favorites. Uh, Eshua is now a Celtics fan. Yeah. Uh, once again, he told me today, I'm thinking douchebag sweep. Mm. Lost that first one with no Embiid, and Embiid comes back, and now Celtics fans are on top of the world because they're used to playing against this team. I think they are definitely uh, the favorite, and I think with the way you saw Embiid playing last night where it looked like sometimes he had it and sometimes he didn't, like the five blocks thing is kind of interesting to me. The Celtics were attacking Embiid. That was a key part of the game plan, I thought, to put him in a bunch of pick and rolls, to go at him at the hoop, to not be afraid of them getting a guy back at the rim. Five blocks, they all looked like highlights, but the Celtics kept going inside, 
And Embiid, like you're saying, he got tired by the time the third and fourth quarter came around. So I don't know if he's already saying that he was supposed to be out four to six weeks. He only sat out for two weeks. He didn't end up playing a ton of minutes last night. He ended up with 26 minutes. Right. How many more minutes is he going to be able to play going forward? How effective are those minutes going to be? I still got faith that the 76ers will win one of those two games back in Philadelphia. So I imagine it comes back to Boston as a 2-2 series. But I think that the Celtics have to be encouraged with the way things went in game two. Yeah, I didn't know if Esh's smile was because it's Star Wars Day. Or maybe it's a combination. <laughs> Hi, what, are, what, what are your feelings on this series now, Esh? I said douchebag sweeping. It's not just because of game two. It's because of game one, too, you know? Uh, game one, they had a chance to win with Harden going, out, going off. And I'm like, if they didn't make boneheaded plays down the stretch, they win that game. They yep. win game two as well. It's already 2-0. So I'm just like, why wouldn't it be a douchebag sweep at this point? They wouldn't have the 76ers ever, ever beat the Celtics. You know what I mean? <laughs> nah, wouldn't be dropped 52 in the regular season. That's true. That's, true. That, that's basically it. I hear you. I think the matchups are better with Embiid on the floor. Uh, they just – I think it – it's it sparks this Celtics team. <laughs> they had a, a huge dud in, in game one, in part because Embiid wasn't on the floor, I think. They just decided, like they did in the Hawks series at times, that they didn't need to play to their capabilities. And Embiid does wake them up to some degree, and their matchups are better. I thought the Sixers' first, best possession was probably their first one, where they <laughs> move the ball around a lot, and, and Harris hit a shot from the mid-range. And they're just not going to do that with Embiid and Harden out there. They just clog it up uh and and that's why doc said after the first quarter um asked to, what we could do to change things up in the second quarter oh maybe we should pass the ball and and i, and I think they just they stopped moving it and they are going to move it more without him being on the floor the celtics are just a really dynamic defense when they decide to get into it um so you think anyway. the sixers need to sit and bead <laughs> psychologically and <laughs> well it, on if, the court. Uh, I, I think if yeah and unless we get an Embiid if, if you know that the rust has been shaken off and he can get back to that guy who won them a game at the end of the regular season close to that Embiid like a 40 point Embiid um, then I do think they have a better shot without him which is stupid to say but it's not him it's not it's not him out there he, he is it's not the same no and, and he was the advantage for the Sixers yeah. coming into this series right you're like if we're getting MVP Joel Embiid they got a chance uh just because he's so hard to guard he had what 41 in the third matchup this season followed by the 52 where they actually pulled off the win but if it's if it's the Embiid we saw last night that's not the Joel Embiid that won MVP all right, any random notes uh, before we move on? Well, the biggest random note from this one is the drone zone, and we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> this is our new thing. we got to tease the tweet of the night in the A block. Yeah, I'm glad I, I had that. Definitely wanted to talk about it in yeah. the A block, but we'll, we'll don't you worry. We'll throw it in a little later. Just uh, just quickly, random. Embiid flopped hardcore early in the – or sorry, late in the first quarter. Um, Grant Williams just bumped him, and the, the refs got duped. They called it. Do you think the refs go into the locker room and are shown when they get they get they they really get the 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 wool? You know. They say they review calls. Yeah, they review calls. Right? They review calls like ones that could have gone either way. But in this one, I don't know if like the refs don't want to be embarrassed, and the league doesn't want them embarrassed. I wonder if they show this type of call where this is like that was just yeah a guy who 
flopped. Um, so <laughs> I just, I just wonder if that's part of the uh, the film session for the refs. Like, I do. They, yeah, I think I would, I would want to know I'm being fooled. Yeah, if I'm Tony Brothers. Exactly. You know, I would want to know uh, the moves that they're pulling to be able to to trick me on these fouls, so I can know in the second half. So, so yeah, it's probably like a shaking your finger at the monitor. <laughs> You got me. You got me good, buddy. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think they, they, they need to be notified. Uh, a couple of quick notes. Marcus Smart, he's always on that borderline of dirty and not dirty. He dove uh, for a loose ball and took out P.J. Tucker's leg, and, and P.J. is too tough, would not come out of the game, was just hobbled around. But I think in an instance where P.J. Tucker was hurt, we would be talking about Marcus Smart being mm-hmm. dirty. That was He, he dove twice. Um, once it was just him in the wood. <laughs> no legs, no no legs in between him and the wood. But in this instance, I mean that was that was a clear dive for the loose ball. Sure, he's going for it, but his uh, PJ Tucker's leg kind of buckled uh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Smart's a guy that's gonna dive at legs. So <laughs> I I think you're saying it exactly right. He lives on the edge of dirty and not dirty, as do many players. You got to have at least one on your team. Uh, but smart for everything he does, all of his antics on the court. I, a, I think he's chilled out a little compared to early, earlier in his career. I do think so, And too. B, like you're saying, when Smart does something foolish, you know he's going to do something smart on, on the opposite <laughs> side of things. It's like in the Hawks series, he made two crushing plays uh, to lose in Game 5, and then he made two back-breaking plays to win Game 6. So that's just how it goes with Smart. Okay, and last note, uh, head coach Joe Mazzulla. We always said like, he was, he's a bit of a... Uh, a Kawhi character in that he's just straightforward, unintentionally funny at times. He just he just he's asked a question, he answers it. But he left the podium um, after his post game press conference and said, "Nobody wants to ask about all the adjustments we made from game one to game two, because <laughs> um, everything else was about you know bead and stuff." He made a joke. Yeah. Didn't so you see, see that me coming. coaching out here? You see me coaching? <laughs> yeah. That was good stuff uh, from Joe Mazzula. And, and he, needed, he needed a bounce-back game as people yeah, were nice ridiculing him. Nice game. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice game, game. for Joe. He told all the guys on the bench to hit threes. That was yeah. smart. Yeah, and play hard. That's a good idea. Um, all right, next one. Or next topic, I should say. There's more awards being handed out. The Sacramento Kings GM, Monte McNair, has won Executive of the Year course he assembled a squad finished 48 and 34 they snapped a 16-year playoff drought some of those moves Kevin Herter Malik Monk Keegan Murray Mike Brown yeah uh so he wins the executive of the year award second went to Kobe Altman of the Cleveland Cavaliers and in third if you like going down the ballot for the executive of the year jazz GM Justin Zanuck and Nuggets GM Calvin Booth getting in there (laughs) Uh, tied for third. So your thoughts on Monte being award the executive of the year? Uh, I think an easy win for Monte here. Uh, you mentioned all the moves. Murray, Herter, Monk, Mike Brown. That's four huge ones right there. Probably also gets a little bit of credit for this being the first full season after the Sabonis trade and the way that he performed during the regular season, going to make an all-NBA team. It's likely Darren Fox makes an all-NBA team as well. So that's kind of like a double win on that trade when you get great performances out of both of the guys uh, that you are hoping to help. And then I wonder, honestly, if the idea of lighting the beam came into the vote at all. They're like, <laughs> who do we honor for that? That was the sickest thing of the entire season. Somebody's got to get a trophy for coming up with light the beam. Let's give it to the executive of the year because surely somebody in the front office was like, what if we shot a laser from the roof? 
Monty McNair said, yeah, I love it. Let's do it. And then they had the best season they've had in two decades. So nice win. Executive of the year, coach of the year, clutch player of the year, two teammates with MVP votes, uh, and Keegan Murray fifth in rookie of the year voting, Malik Monk fifth and sixth man of the year voting. Pretty good stuff uh, for the Sacramento Kings. Congrats to uh, to them on an incredible season. But you said light the beam. I cannot wait but to uh, hold <laughs> this thing. Beam. This thing is heavy. Yeah, that one's nice, man. Yeah, this one also <laughs> this... changes colors. Yes. Is this a specific lightsaber, Ash? Whose would this be? That's uh, Darth Sidious's lightsaber. What? Yeah. What? The Emperor himself. You brought it in here? I, I had to. I had to. I knew my heart was getting dark once you brought that in. I just feel like the hate is coursing through my veins. I got to admit, these are pretty cool. (laughs) This man's feeling powerful right now. I didn't expect it to be this heavy. The weight on this thing is is really nice. I know I see you getting worried over there as I move it around. (laughs) There's not a ton of space in here. I'm not worried at all. Like I said, I trust you guys. You're not my uh, eight-year-old and five-year-old, so we're, we're fine. <laughs> well, we can easily be an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. No problem. Uh, all right, got to take a quick break. After it, nut shots and LeBron rivals. Actually, some of those rivals may have also hit LeBron's nuts. Right after the break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. We are back on No Dunks. Anything you want to report? I see you uh, smiling over there a little bit, Trey. People are saying Darth Mellis is a legit Star Wars name. <laughs> you got to get you your own lightsaber here. Check your kyber crystals. <laughs> That's right. I know what those are, Ash. I've heard of it before. Uh, well, what are kyber crystals? <laughs> <laughs> do I know what they are? I don't know about that, but I think they somehow... Uh, it has to do with what color your lightsaber is. Is this true? Yeah. Nice. Okay. All right. <laughs> the lore. The lore. The lore of the wars. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna develop a character character mm. named Darth Mellis. On No Bunts yesterday, we talked about uh, Darth Vader a little bit. We had a uh, actually the helmet that they use the Seattle Mariners yep. use in their home run celebration is a Darth Vader helmet, but they also have a Poseidon trident. <laughs> that they have along with the helmet. I don't know. I'm a little Star Wars out. I got to be honest. That's all I'm trying to say. On today of all days, you would say that. Yeah, that's I know. Cra- that's it, crazy. It's really disrespectful. Right. I still got to watch Andor. People are saying it's good. Ash, is, Ash, is Ash loves it. I know. I know. Um, it, it's been a while since uh, we've asked for your questions. It's been a really long while, but you guys came through. So let's step on that beach. The beach. 
the beat. We asked for them. You provided some incredible ones. This one, right off the bat, right off the Star Wars bat, we have a, a really good one. We went, we went big with this one. What's up, guys? Watching this Lakers Warriors series got me thinking about the history of LeBron versus Curry teams. Do you think the rivalry with Steph is the defining rivalry of LeBron's career? It's a good question. Many players have these epic rivalries in their careers, but LeBron's career has been so long that he's had a bunch. Pierce and the Celtics was a great one with a ton of memorable moments. LeBron and KD was another. What do you think? When we think of LeBron's career 20 years from now, who will we remember playing against him the most? Love the pod. That's from Miguel. Great question. Uh, and I, like, I think the three names were, were mentioned. For me, when I think of LeBron James' rivals first, thing that comes to mind for me is the Celtics because I'm old uh, it still seems to me like that was the greatest challenge LeBron had to conquer in his career getting past uh, a veteran championship team that he kept running into year after year after year yeah. that game six stone-faced LeBron is still like one of the most iconic games of his entire career and once they finally actually beat the Celtics it was a huge deal went on to win the championship and you still got Paul Pierce talking about it like to this day so maybe that's messing with my thinking on it but when I think of specific rivals it is the Celtics for me but title wise it's got to be Curry Steph has won three titles off of LeBron in head-to-head matchups since LeBron started winning his titles back in 2012 both of them have four so that's the guy. Uh, Curry is the guy when you look long-term. But I think the factor that LeBron is more of a wing, Curry's a guard, maybe you don't think of them as head-to-head rivals the way you did like Magic and Bird. Or like for Jordan, it was like Clyde Drexler was one of his rivals just because they happened to play the same position, you know. So that's the thing with KD. That would have been the rivalry, player versus player, LeBron versus KD. Those guys haven't played against each other since 2018, though. They had that meeting in the finals, 2012, of course. They were there again uh, in 17 and 18. But LeBron didn't necessarily have the team to compete at that time. So LeBron versus KD is similar to me uh, as Kobe versus LeBron in that they never got to actually meet for a championship. So uh, a missed out rivalry. I like how you mentioned MJ because that's what I immediately thought of when I thought of LeBron versus the Boston Celtics. Because you think of the team that he had to overcome to get to his first championship. So who was MJ's rival? You mentioned Clyde, but I think of the Pistons. I think of the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the trials and tribulations, that part. The story can't be written without that. And the Curry connection is like maybe Drexler, maybe the Jazz, but it ain't the Jazz. It's not, the Jazz were not Michael Jordan's biggest rival. Yeah. It, it's just it's difficult to do that with a team that's in the opposite conference. Too. Yeah. I know it's just the finals, that's but for sure. uh, that's a part of it. Uh, you didn't mention the Pacers, I know, because you're a, a, a PG hater. Um, but he had uh, he had two great series against Paul George, and that and that team um, that he was able to sort of overcome. I, I guess because he was he had already overcome his Celtics, you know, mountain. He well, climbed the Pacers, that. Pacers never beat him. No, they're not rivals. Well, they're the the, the Heat Warriors were rivals for the Pacers, but the Pacers were not rivals for the Heat. That was the that's the difference with the Celtics. The Celtics were beating the Cavs, beating yeah. the Cavs, beating the Cavs. LeBron had to change teams. And then they yeah. finally overcame the Celtics. That's the difference to me is it's not a rivalry until both teams are winning. Fair. I guess I look at Paul George as a little bit of a, of a rival just because 
It took them to seven games. They they played them. They played them hard. But yeah, you're you're right about that. I, I guess the, the Pierce thing is like that was more of a team rival. I was looking trying to find an individual rival. There just isn't really a. <sighs> Ain't nobody am, touching LeBron. No, there's not. There's not an amazing one. But great, great stuff. You brought up great points. So many freaking teams can be mentioned because <laughs> yes. he killed them all. All right, next one. With the theme of this year's playoffs being nutshots, can we get a ranking <laughs> of the best or worst ball taps? Thanks for the larfs. That's from Lars M via YouTube. Great question. I had to had to do my research. Actually, the research wasn't that hard because <laughs> they're pretty prevalent these days. Unfortunately, they're extremely prevalent, and I shared it actually recently in one of our chats because somebody said, "Hey, you guys should rank these nutshots or collect these nutshots like you collect wedgies." Our man Grish said that, and I, I just went on Instagram and saw that somebody had already collected them. So easy. This was pretty easy. Was there five? Oh, you better believe it. Let's count down the top five nut shots from these playoffs alone. Top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five, top five. All right, I will give you the top five nut shots from the 23 playoffs. From this playoffs only. That's actually surprising to me. Yeah, there's there's one that's, uh, I think, going under the radar. Okay. It's a controversial one. You tell me if I'm ranking these properly. At number five, you know this one. P.J. Tucker accidentally hits Jason Tatum. The most recent one. The only one from round two. It was game one. P.J. Tucker was just upset about a play. He was going back on defense. And he just kind of swung his arm. Accidental. It's it's kind of funny because after all the purposeful hits we had in round one, this is just totally accidental. And no infraction. No foul. Didn't, have to, didn't even have to go check the the tape so it's it's the worst one so that's why it's number five <laughs> you mean because it, there wasn't much drama surrounding zero it zero drama there was zero drama they didn't, you're right they didn't even look at it yeah. in the monitor it seemed like an accident but it also seemed like uh tucker co- took quite a swing he like he, he ripped his arm back uh for sure so um yeah i think that's a fair number five yeah uh, totally surprising that they didn't review it yeah um but that did reduce yeah the controversy sure, around sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, this is the one that's flying under the radar. Lakers Grizzlies. Desmond Bain driving, and he's just trying to create a little bit of space, and he hits a jumping Anthony Davis right in the testicles. So it's right by the rim. Anthony Davis jumps extremely high. And so Desmond Bain, not up in the air really, just trying to get some space, throws a bow and it hits Anthony Davis Oof. right in the nuts, and Anthony Davis hits the ground. And it's within the play, so it's not really. It wasn't really talked about, um, but it was a direct hit. I, a direct I, hit with an elbow while yeah. in the air. Yeah, it was. It was. I think Anthony Davis. That sounds bad. <laughs> sounds bad. <laughs> it sounds pretty bad. But he stayed in the game because he's tough. He's tough. Bad rep. Anthony I honestly Davis. put that on Anthony Davis's end of the season playoff highlight reel. Uh, people are always criticizing this guy about uh, being a fragile player, but if he's taking a nut shot in midair. And still able to play there and perform well. That's toughness right there. Okay, number three, top five nut shots this, this postseason. You know this one. Harden pushing off on Royce O'Neal in mm-hmm, the first mm-hmm. round, game three, round one. Harden got ejected because he just wanted a little bit of space. Now, he was irritated, so he was trying to act out a little bit. He's just He just said, get off me to Royce O'Neal. I'm still not convinced it actually got him in the nuts. Um, <laughs> but Royce O'Neal sold it, and he went down. 
And it was, if you remember, it was a gentle, sort of a gentle one. <laughs> I mean, any a shot gentle hurts. one. Exactly, exactly. Um, and this was the one where afterwards the referees were basically like, he did hit him directly in the genitals. <laughs> Whereas in beads were a little bit to the left or something like that. This was a weird one. But I guess the fact that, um, I guess their chests must have been pointed towards each other, at least, made it something callable because this one they went to the review and everything and end up with the ejection for Harden whereas with PJ Tucker his back was facing Jason Tatum no need to investigate damn damn you just mentioned Joel Embiid kicking up at Nick Claxton's nuts I didn't even have it on my list I'm doing a disservice we got two he only got a flagrant one right he only got a a penalty for kicking at the package. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not making direct contact. It wasn't allegedly. a direct hit. Yeah. I do think these five are more direct hits. But... Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> the way it was called on the court. <laughs> sure. Uh, all right. Number two is what I got here. May have to redo this list afterwards, but Dylan Brooks hit the crown jewels. He hit LeBron James nuts. Crown jewels is what LeBron said afterwards that Dylan Brooks went after them. He got him. It was in the backcourt, which yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this was in game three of that Grizzlies-Lakers series. It was after game two, Grizzlies won. Brooks said, LeBron is old. I don't care about him. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I'm coming uh, more around on the, the idea that Dylan Brooks actually didn't hit him on purpose in the nuts. I know it's Dylan Brooks, so we just assume. But he said that uh, he said that he didn't. He could be lying, of course. He said that he didn't do it on purpose. If, if you think I hit him in the nuts, you think I'm that kind of player. Um, but he was sort of trying to slow down Braun in the backcourt, like people do, right? Like you're yep, just trying yeah, to throw yeah. up an arm just to slow him down, slow down the, the train. Do you think he, he did it on purpose? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, he put his hands on him on purpose, like you're saying. He was definitely going to hand check him a little bit. I think at the time LeBron was trying to go behind the back yeah. or something. So it could have been uh, completely unintentional, but I, I imagine it's like 50-50, intentional versus unintentional. I'm touching you. And I don't care where it happens. And it ended up happening in the crown jewels, which is still hilarious. <laughs> still a hilarious term for me. But only LeBron can use it. Yeah. And I guess uh, Prince Charles or King Charles at this point. Yeah, coronation day is yeah. coming up. Is that true? Yeah. Thanks. Nice. Congrats. You did it. Uh, all right. At number one. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> he did it. He did it. <laughs> the king is crowned. You think he's going to. Who's gonna... his rival? Who's his all-time <laughs> rival? <laughs> the Andrew. press, man. I guess it's the press. <laughs> yeah Every, yeah a lot of bad press <laughs> well, yes yes indeed <laughs> I wonder how Andrew feels I wonder how they all feel I don't care alright uh, number one of the nut shots we've had in the 2023 playoffs you said LeBron saying the crown jewels was hilarious it was but I think this one was the most hilarious Trey Young trying to inbound the ball a different <laughs> different type of nut shot game six Basically, their season sort of on the line here. 20 seconds left. They're down six to the Celtics. And the first attempt of Trey Young trying to inbound the ball was directly off Marcus Smart's testicles because yeah, yeah, the yeah. five count was about to be counted. It was going to be a violation. So he said, I got to throw it off something. And he hit Marcus Smart right below the belt <laughs> and Smart keeled over. It's just perfect because, number one, it took them four passes to get it in. And it's just kind of a emblematic of their stinky season. <laughs> So a different one there at number one. We've had five. We've had six. I this forgot. Is, this beat. is a great number one, actually. I wasn't expecting that at all. I thought for sure 
LeBron Brooks. Dylan Brooks. I mean, it was one of the biggest stories of the first round here, but you had to be a sicko to be watching game six and just see <laughs> the Hawks inbounding off Marcus Smart's gonads three straight times. And he's laughing about it too. That was the funniest thing to me. It was like, you know, you get a ball thrown at your junk. You're going to get upset unless you're Marcus Smart. He was just like, this is hilarious. This is pretty <laughs> funny. I'm playing such good defense. They got to throw the ball at my nuts. <laughs> All right. Do it. That's it. Top five nut shots from the 23 playoffs. Let us know if I missed another one because uh, I missed that one or what order you would have them in. Next question. A catchy phrase I find funny that's being uttered by NBA announcers these days is, and that's what he does. <laughs> Referring to a player's most notable skill. What's something that you do in your day-to-day life that if an announcer watched it, he would exclaim, and that's what he does. That's from Free Guy 3751 on YouTube. Whose uh, call is this? I feel like we hear it from Spiro Dedis and probably Mark Jones. Mm. That's just what he does. Something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Uh, the, a new thing that I've started doing is uh, my, my get ready procedure in the morning. Like I end with a shower. So, you know, my body is warm from the heat. <laughs> it's getting warm down here. It's getting humid. I don't want to sweat a lot. So I come into work wearing a white tank top tucked into my jeans Ooh. almost every day. I wish that there was an announcer sitting outside. So when I got out of the car and walked up JD's driveway, that's just what he does. <laughs> Dressed like you know, like Nicolas Cage in Con Air, just wearing a white tank top and jeans. That's just what he does. Because I feel like a fool sitting here in my white tank top, working indoors. <laughs> it looks foolish, but it keeps my pitch dry and it keeps my car interiors feeling better. So I gotta do it. That's what he. That's, that's just, what, just what, he, what he does. That's what he does yeah. to get ready for work. He's a professional. That's just what he does. Puts on shirts later. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about the look in in general? Do you feel ridiculous or do uh, you feel? Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I feel like I need to put on fifteen pounds of muscle to truly pull it off. Because, you know, I actually think that white tank top tucked into jeans is kind of like a notable tough guy look. Yeah. Throughout the years, dating back to uh, Kevin Nash wearing a tucked in tank top into jeans. Um, but for me, it's a little slovenly, if I'm being quite honest. Woo. That's why I got to go full shirts once the show starts. Slovenly. What a word. <laughs> and what do you call them? Wife supporters? Wife, wife respecters. Wife, wife respect. pleasers. If it's uh, a... <laughs> A particular Wednesday, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> if conditions are perfect. Um, Ash, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here because uh, I would like your answer. Everything's better in threes. You're on the mic. And that's what he does. That's what Ash does. I was actually thinking this entire time you were reading the question and his answer is like, what could I say? But I honestly don't know. Uh, hmm. uh I don't know. I don't I'll, let, I'll, I'll let you think. I'll let you think for one sec. Here's my answer. Okay. Okay. Uh, on the driveway here, as, as you said, uh, we, we all come to JD's. Um, it's very steep on, on this driveway. <laughs> it's a steep driveway. I open my car door and I'm ready to come inside. And I don't touch the car door to close it because gravity just closes That's it on nice, its own. That's nice, actually. So I try and get all crafty and just dodge out of my window, dodge out of my door real fast. Um, sometimes it works. Sometimes I get hit. Uh, sometimes it doesn't close just because of the angle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but sometimes it's cool. 
So, so you make like a game out of it, basically? Yeah. I do the same thing, dude. Yeah. That's All the time. That's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. T- <laughs> and that's what Ash does. I like that. That's very funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. If there was a camera on me, it'd be like 50-50. I'd probably say my like my hit rate, maybe 60-40. Sometimes I just get I get bonked. <laughs> just get blasted. Yeah. Can't make it out quick enough. That door's heavy. Uh, all right. That was fun. Last question here. You guys have been great. Hello, no dunkers. Once again, Jimmy Butler has morphed into playoff Jimmy. And once again, the NBA world struggles with finding Jimmy's career doppelganger. I posit that one does not exist. Instead of finding a career that runs parallel to Jimmy's, our best bet is to find an inversion of the Butler career, a comparison that works in the bizarro realm. I submit that T-Mac is the bizarro Jimmy. Solid regular season success, no MVPs, and not much postseason success either. Is there a better Bizarro Jimmy? Are there other Bizarro career pairings? Whoa. That's a big question. That's a loaded question, Bobby. Thanks for the Lars. Appreciate the email, Bobby. What do you got for this one, Trey? We got multiple emails that ended with thanks for the Lars. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Matt Austin must be loving it. Uh, T-Mac is an interesting Bizarro Jimmy. T-Mac's a Hall of Famer. Yes. So, I mean, that's an interesting one. He was a league-leading scorer. Does that make yeah. sense? Why is that league leading score? Yeah, it's just the way nobody says it. Nonetheless, <laughs> scoring I think champ, it's an yeah. interesting one. Scoring champ. That's a good one. How about this for a bizarro Jimmy? I don't know if it actually works. Joe Johnson? They're actually they're kind of similar players where they both did have quite a bit of regular season success. Big time scorers. Joe Johnson is a seven time all star. I think Jimmy is a six time all star. Jimmy's made all NBA more often than Joe Johnson has. Obviously, neither of them are, like, scoring leaders, league-leading scorers, <laughs> MVPs. <laughs> They've never been the top guy. But then in the playoffs, they become a little bit more important because you know they're willing to take every shot. Things slow down. ISO Joe is a thing. ISO Jimmy is kind of what he does, but nobody calls it that. They just call it playoff Jimmy. And it comes down to hitting game winners. Joe Johnson hit a lot of game winners. Jimmy Butler hits a ton of game winners. The only thing that's bizarro about him feels like almost exactly opposite personalities like try and remember one joe johnson quote from his entire career you can't no very quiet guy very stoic on the court as well he's not talking trash to everybody jimmy of course quotable memeable you're seeing his reactions all the time out on the court so i think that's where the bizarro factor comes into play that's a nice one joe johnson that's a really really good nice jimmy i guess you would call him Mm. And well, they called him Iso nice Joe. Jimmy. I thought he was gonna say. I thought I was. I was about to say Ice Jim, Ice Joe, Nice Jimmy, Nice Jimmy. That's almost bizarro, but not. Yeah. It was Iso Joe. I thought it was Ice. Nice Joe. Joe. <laughs> uh, that's a great one. Yeah, the the T Mac one. It's not bad at all. But then when you say he's in the Hall of Fame, he also got MVP votes. True. He didn't true. win an MVP, but he got MVP votes. Was the scoring champ. It's, it's it's a great comparison. I love the Joe. So we're looking at guys that just didn't have a lot of ton of playoff success. We're regular season legends, I guess. Um, yeah, that's a great one. Joe's great. Mitch Richmond, I think you can throw in the category. Okay. A big version would probably be Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, you know, he had a moment or two, uh, but yeah, not. Uh, yeah, you got if you want to go all, all the way Oppo. I like the Trace McGrady in a way because it's he won the scoring title, and if Jimmy gets a title, title. Then they're the opposites in a way. Yeah, uh, that's not bad. But great, bad. great points. Great points by everybody, all around. All right, we got to take a quick break here. But after it, uh, drone coverage. What's up? Yeah, uh, I've heard we don't have a second ag break. Actually, it was in the document, but I think that's a copy and paste move. Who made this doc? 
You know what? No, no, no. You had it. You had it correct. You had it correct. It wasn't in there. You copy pasted. I inserted it. I thought there was a second ad break. What the heck happened? Do you want to do one? You want to just make up a product to sell ads for? Kyber crystals. (laughs) (laughs) Buy two kyber crystals. Get one free using promo code No Dunks at the Tatooine Canteen. (laughs) Banged it home. We got to sell kyber crystals now. Was that right? Is that where like uh, they have uh, the Han Solo, the famous scene? Yeah, in that's the Tatooine. That's Tatooine. That's right. Oh, man, this guy's look, on fire. Look at you, man. Well, I watch uh, I watch the YouTube channels, Ash. Oh yeah, like yeah. I'm I'm up to date more so on the lore than what's actually happening in the world right now. <laughs> what you What do you mean YouTube? Uh, channels? new rock stars. Oh, the ghosts. Screen cu- crush. Those? Heavy spoilers. Those are the only ones you got to watch right there for anything, anything. That's right. They is. even did the Mario Brothers movie. That's right. Of course. <laughs> they did Memento. I thought that was crazy. But respect. I mean, it like kind of kind of fits in the world there. They're like anything mysterious, we'll cover it. Memento, damn. Throwback, huh? Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Um. All right. So that's my mistake about the uh, the second ad break. I, I guess I was going back to, well, no bunts. We had a second ad break maybe last week as well. Maybe just that we're in the NBA playoffs and we should have two ad breaks. Don't you think? We have. Sometimes we have. We got a regular season, ISO Joe pre-roll, a couple. Uh, ads in the first break then three ads in the second break and then we're here in the playoffs <laughs> on on star wars day and we don't have two ad breaks uh but that's my my bad my bad my bad but we do have tweet of the night and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games call 1-800-DIRECT-TV claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package terms or restrictions apply been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately so i've had documents flying in and out the mailbox a lot of signatures both analog and digital a lot of phone calls a lot of stamps got to get my long-term future straight yeah let me tell you skeets the things we build our future around are the things worth protecting making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones watch your assets with Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. Trust and Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney, it's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with trust and will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash nodunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash nodunks. Tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. What we got, Trey? Got a tweet here from Sean Hyken. It was definitely the most uh, tweeted about thing on the internet during the game last night. The tweet from Sean Hyken says, TNT saw the tweets about the drones and got rid of it faster than the Dr. Pimple Popper ads. Indeed, we saw a drone cam 
last night in Celtics versus Sixers. Uh, you could see the drone flying about occasionally. <laughs> yeah. And then they also gave us the footage from what we saw from the drone. A very high angle that we were seeing. People were not liking the general low quality yeah, yeah, that you're yeah. getting from the drone shots. Uh, but what do you think about see what you think about seeing the drone all the time yeah. and what the drone was actually showing us? <laughs> seeing the drone for, at first I was like I don't I guess I'm sort of just being acclimatized to just different multiple cameras everywhere. Maybe that's sort of the the way we maybe I just acclimatized to modern day sports watching. Sometimes you see a zip line camera in an NFL game. Sometimes mm-hmm. it'll peep in in a baseball game. So it was weird, but I wasn't there. It wasn't an off-putting type feeling. But I say it's weird because nobody wants to see the drone. Nobody wants to see the drone. No, that's the problem. Well, the two problems were first of all, like people are saying, the low-quality footage. But what? It, that's just how it is. I I know yeah. they do like new cameras all the time in Formula One, like a ham a helmet cam or a nose cam on the front. And for whatever reason, even when they brought like the pylon cams in in the NFL, they always go with the worst possible camera the first time because they're like, if you like this even a little bit, it'll get better in the future. So I think the quality will step up. I thought the views you got from the drone were really cool, like to see the angles for a driving lane. Like I think there was maybe like a smart drive to the hoop layup where he finished around Embiid, something along those lines. It was really cool to actually be able to see the angles that he was getting to the hoop. But seeing the drone buzzing around when you're looking at the san- the standard broadcast angle, I didn't like that as much. So, I don't know, just raise the drone up another 10 or 12 feet, whatever it needs to be. Yeah, I, I don't think they did it on purpose. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, they just didn't know the framing. The shots are becoming so much wider, too, when we're, we're watching games. Maybe it's to fit HD TVs or bigger TVs. I don't know. Uh, but you're seeing so much of, yeah, these, these cameras slipping in. In this instance, it was, it was jarring to, when they went to the camera. I thought when they went to the actual shot, because it looks so much different. So it, much different. It, 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 I don't know if there was a, a color balance that was missed or whatever, but it was, yeah, it was a lot brighter. The quality wasn't as good. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. It's nice every once in a while. They do it. To me, it's like the same during the regular season. Sometimes you'll see like, I think the Pistons do it like from the bench or uh, you'll, you'll just see these. Just just more of a sideline, lower angle view, even though it's a drone. But it's it's different than the the regular view. You see it for one play, and then you're like, mm-hmm. the director just wants to use their new toy. But it it, <laughs> it doesn't really to me. It doesn't add much. It it is nice little just change up. It's fine. I I shouldn't complain about it. It's fine. It's fine. You it's see fine, a different yeah. angle. Do you think that uh, the drone like messes with the people in the in attendance? Dude, there was the first time I saw it. The the kid. There was a kid sideline that looked up at it and was basically looking back at the the main camera it was like pointing up and it was smiling because he realized he was on camera he's like whoa <laughs> drone and yeah because and and then and then the director said uh like zoom into the main cam i think because you could see the fan but as soon and so it looked stupid it all just kind of looked dumb like the, the fan was reacting and i think the director said let's let's get off so you don't see this fan pointing up at the at the at the drone so I think people realize it, yeah, for sure. Oh, That's right above them. You're right, Ash. I think it would be distracting. It's like the Jumbotron is distracting enough at an NBA game. If you're sitting in the upper bowl, you're like, can't. it's impossible not to look at those gigantic, vivid screens. So now you got another little thing buzzing around. I'm sure you're keeping your eyes on that. I wonder if it's going to drop a T-shirt or something. <laughs> uh, 
everybody was wondering if it was going to get hit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That would be cool to see. <laughs> the drone accidentally knocked out of the sky. That would be exciting. Yeah. I, I, I thought the uh, the drone operator was safe. Like he, he was, <laughs> Yeah, he's nice with it. Yeah. <laughs> it was over the, uh, the fans uh, to some degree. A uh, nice drone shot actually is going through the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, this is totally totally sidebar here, but going through their practice facility. Okay. Uh, the drone operator, badass. It's just one of those low flying drones. That's it's flying through everything, like flying through rooms and stuff. That's cool. To me, in in this instance, meh. Uh, not not so not so amazing. Not so. <laughs> uh, it's just another shot. Like I said during the regular season, it's like. Yeah, you can use it for a different view, but anyway, it's just a drone. Um, anything else to say about a drone? Nothing else to say about a drone, though I do miss the rail cam. It kind of made me miss the rail cam that they had during the bubble, you know, because there was nobody sitting courtside, so they put the one Ooh. on the ground. That was a cool camera shot as well. I like when they try new things, but there's a reason they stick with the standard broadcast angle. For sure. Yeah, you could only see that, like, once Yeah, just a, a little taste every now and then. A little taste. All right, we are going to... Uh, Get a little taste of the Golden State Warriors trying to bounce back. Sure, uh, tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers, the series is 1-0 Lakers as they try and take a stranglehold on this thing. What are you watching tonight in Golden State, Trey? Were you, must win the game drone, here. the drone, perhaps? Yes, <laughs> yes, it is must win. Yeah, I mean, I guess if they're in Silicon Valley, they got to have the highest quality drones. So <laughs> that is something to keep an eye on, uh, I suppose. I also am looking forward to see if the Warriors stick with their two big starting lineup. Uh, obviously, Anthony Davis ran wild in game one, 30 points, 23 rebounds. They got to find a way to limit him and to make him venture outside of the paint a little bit so they can get something going besides three-pointers. So I wonder if we'll see either Draymond or Kavon Looney go to the bench uh that would allow looney if it was him to like run wild against wenyan gabriel or whoever maybe the backup five back a big man for the lakers that would probably mean that pool starts which gives the warriors definitely more juice offensively but makes them even softer inside which is where davis went crazy so that's a that's a big time question mark is how they can do anything against anthony davis because he was clearly the best player on the court in game one you got to have the best player on the court to win a lot of games in the playoffs so must win game for the warriors tonight can't go down 0-2 heading back to la yes interested to see how much the lakers have in the the juice in the in the tank considering that they don't have a rest advantage like they did in, in game one interested to see what the warriors do with the front line because anthony davis did tire as the game went on. He was awesome, but 21 in the first half, a 9 in the second half. I think he's still got to keep going big, although Poole is feeling good in this series. There's no doubt. And do you want to keep him off on the bench and be that spark or play with the, the first unit? It's exciting to see. It's exciting to see this chess match. And then, yeah, the big small thing is, is the whole series, really, because you go small, it's also Wiggins at the four and Bron Bron. Uh, versus Andrew Wiggins, and that's when Braun probably looks like his old self the most when he is getting physical. So can't wait for that. This is a series. Um, this is a series, man. Math series. It's a, it's a bit of a math it series. It is. It's crazy. Uh, I played in a men's league last night for the first time in Forever, Tass. Uh, they needed guys, so they called me in. They said, hey, can you come? I said, yes, absolutely. I will nice. be there. Nice. And it was Lakers versus Warriors. We made, like... We probably made four threes the entire night. The other team must have hit 15, but we were on the offensive glass and hitting rebounds 
uh, and making free throws the whole night. It felt honestly like Lakers versus Warriors. One team <laughs> could shoot from outside. One team could not shoot but could rebound. And we won. So watch out, Warriors, is what I'm saying. <laughs> if the mighty Tucks walk in, you better you better put a body on them. Is it named after your your tuck in? <laughs> That's just what he does. Uh, all, no, it was in Tucker. Strut in. <laughs> it was in Tucker, so I guess you're just a tuck. Yeah. If you're playing in Tucker. But I did tuck in my jersey. That had a duck on it, not a tuck. Wild stuff, wow. man. That's Could, just a, that's confusing. a quick report right there. Confusing yeah. team. Uh, but uh, maybe you can tell the guys. Let's all come in tucked. Let's uh, all tuck up. Let's all tuck in our wife supporters. Wife? No, I call it wife. <laughs> Respecters. Well, I'm supportive of my wife of as course well, you so are. that's fine as well. Of course There's just you are. one thing we don't call it anymore. You're right. Uh, <laughs> uh, be sure to tune in with us on Playback tonight where you'll be getting stories like that. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm Absolutely sure. you will. Playback.tv slash no dunks. It's a free service where you can watch the game with us and it's a really good time. Lakers, Warriors, cannot wait. Also, make sure you tune in uh, a little later. On the No Buffs YouTube channel, or you can get the podcast a little bit later, we will be wrapping up, reviewing Survivor 44, episode 10. Again, it has its own podcast feed and YouTube channel, so join us there in mere minutes, I can say. Uh, Approximately 90 minutes from (laughs) now. Uh, But for now, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Uh, thanks for joining us, and remember, a kyber crystal is a force-attuned crystal that grew naturally and was found on various planets across the galaxy, but I'm sure everybody already knew that. They sure okay, did, Trey. Obviously. May the 4th be with you, everyone. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.